Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dead Air Nation proudly presents The Bucking Cap Show, live on blogtalkradio.com. And now, here are your hosts, Buck and Cap. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to The Bucking Cap Show, live on Dead Air Nation. We're here every Wednesday at 8 p.m., uh, sponsored by our uh, our fine sponsors, Gnarly Beer Co. Uh, if you haven't checked out our sponsors yet, folks, you need to check them out. Go to gnarlybeerco.com. Now, um, the uh, show music didn't start again, and I'm just anticipating as I'm talking to you that, you know, another version is going to start up again because, you know, this has been acting up the past few shows. Um, so, anyway. Uh, Buck, you with us? I am. I'm here. What's up, sir? How are you? I'm doing good. You? I'm doing all right. You know, um, yeah, hey, a little bit of issues, uh, but uh, we'll get through them. Get through tonight. 
you know, hopefully these are the worst issues of the week. And uh, we're bringing some cash home with us this weekend. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe it we would get be a nice after after the last cu- after the last couple beat ups that I got. I think I'm all around this one, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I've been. I was talking to my daughter earlier today. Gave me the few horses that she likes, and I was saying, you know what? I think I'm gonna have to, you know, get a little creative this time around because the last two uh, outings. You know, haven't, uh, you know, I, I I mean, we won the one, but it was, what, $25. So, you know, win, play, show, bet. Woo! Big whoop. Win is a win <laughs> anyway, is a win. That's true. That's true. So it all sets the losses. But anyway, we'll get into that um, in a little bit. Have you been watching any of the uh, NBA or NHL finals? A little bit. Um, I know it's 2-2 in the uh, NHL, and I really didn't get to see too much of that at all. Um, You know, the the only game I got to really watch anything was uh, game three where uh, Bruins blew them out. So I was kind of like, yeah. But I know it's 2-2 now. Um, so, yeah, I'm rooting for them blues, man. Craig Berube, let's go. Let's do it. Uh, let's, in the other, let's do it. In the NBA finals, I'm kind of just not interested. I didn't want to see Toronto yeah, at right. all. And don't really want to see the Warriors. But I have to sit there and say that, you know, game one, you know, Toronto comes out and they win that game. And then I'm like, oh, look at this. And, you know, it looks like they've been playing them pretty hard. Um, So, hey, you know, all power to yeah. them. I, I really could care less which team wins. I keep thinking in my head. Yeah, you and I both. Man, as far off as we think the Sixers are, if they would have won that game seven, this could be them right now in the finals with a, with a slight chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. So. I mean, then <laughs> the Raptors didn't lose by much in game two. That was uh, Sunday. They, they, did played. they lost by five, five points, I think it was. But, I mean, when you're yeah, scoring it, over 100 looking. points in a game, both games, each team scored over 100, if you're scoring over 100, you're doing all right. You know what I mean? So, that's uh, – it could go any way, either way. I have I have and, some things that I can say about the the whole NBA scoring thing. It's yeah, I mean, a hundred isn't isn't totally enough anymore, to be honest with you. I mean, if you're scoring one twenty, you're doing okay. But I've seen way too many games that are like one twenty, one thirteen anymore, and it's like with one thirteen, you should be able to win that game, and it just yeah. doesn't always. I haven't been seeing that in the playoffs. Granted, this is the championship, and they're scoring over 100. We had a handful uh, during the other playoff games, but, you know, not not as much as you would have thought. Now, the one thing I want to talk about in that, because I could care less who wins that. I really don't want to see either team win it. Um, 
But the one thing I did want to discuss with you that drives me nuts about the NBA, too many days in between games, all right? Game one, Thursday. Then game two was Sunday. Why do you need two days in between? But now, now that it's going to um, California, the, the game was Sunday. The next game is this Friday. You're going a whole week before you're playing a game. And then, you know, game, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I just talked about uh, game four. Game three is tonight, but still, that's two more. Th- it's like, why do you need the two days in between? NHL does, like, okay, if it's in Boston, you play game one. The next day you're off. The following day you play game two. You go, you know, you go to the other team's stadium. Sometimes it's only a day. Like in the regular playoffs, usually with the Stanley Cup, they will give two. But, I mean, they're giving two to three days in between each game. It's like, no. I'm sorry. It just takes too long. Yeah, I agree. I, I just I don't know why it's got to be so many days. I I, re- I was thinking that too. I was like, why is it like Tuesday and only game two is happening? You know, like like seriously, like or like it was Thursday and 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 what Thursday and Monday? I. I yeah, that's that's way yeah. too many days. You're you're in the same arena it, it too. Was, it's not like it's not like you traveled. Yeah. You didn't, and there was no travel time there. That's what drives me nuts. Like when there's no travel, why are you giving them two uh, two to three days off? Now they they're maintaining the consistency of two days in this one, but I do recall during the uh, Sixers. Um, the Sixers game, in between game two and three, there was three days. I was like, what out of they need? And I'm like, okay, maybe there's conflicts, but it seems like, you know, that's kind of the norm. They give the plenty of time. I'm like, you know what? You need to get this. In. That's where I lose interest when it takes too long. You know, if every other day, if if I'm watching – um, NBA uh, finals tonight and then tomorrow I'm watching NHL playoffs the following day if the NBA is back on again I'm good but you know this they're you know on, in this scenario it's going to happen between now and Friday but you know here's the thing the Stanley Cup potentially two more wins you know, by either team, if they win the next two, Stanley Cup is over. I mean, that's by Sunday. Right. But with the NBA, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they still got to wait till Monday for uh, game five. And even then, let's say one team, let's say for all intents and purposes, the Warriors win the next two, tonight and Friday. The championship you know, if they're going to win the the fourth game to win it all, 
it won't be finalized till Monday. You know, it's just kind of crazy. I just think, you know, hockey, hockey gets it, gets it over with, you know, game one, Monday, game two, Wednesday. Then you travel to a different stadium. You got two days and then boom, you're playing. Then you get one day off, then you're playing again. So, yeah, this is, anyway. I'm looking at this. This is crazy. I mean, maybe not so crazy in the next couple of days because, you know, you got the game three tonight and then you have game four on Friday. But like you said, like, and then that's, I know there's a travel time. So then Friday to Monday is one, two, two full days. Hmm. Okay, I guess that's not so bad. I mean, my biggest it's thing not, was game it's not one and horrible. game two. It's, it's not horrible, but at the same time, there's been a couple instances where there's been three days in between games, and that's where you start to lose me. You know what I mean? Because I wind up being like, you know, getting involved in something else. You know, whereas if right. every day I'm, you know, watching something, you know, when the – um, when it was before the finals, both in the Stanley Cup and the NBA, the regular playoff games, there, you know, every day I was watching a game, either in the NBA or the NHL, or I was watching the Phillies. I mean, it was like, you know, some days I'm, you know, uh, flipping back and forth in between commercials. I'm going from NHL to the Phillies game or – you know, from the Phillies game to the Sixers game. And then as it starts getting uh, closer and closer towards the half or towards the end of the game, you know, I'm I'm tuning into that one sport, you know. But, you know, it, it, it's not horrible. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, I wish you, we wouldn't be waiting so long. Just play, you know. I get it. But they, you know, they, play games, we... they play every day. Just during the regular season and they get one day break to travel from one location to the next. And sometimes like when they're on the road, you know, they'll play, for example, just as a scenario with the Phillies, because it just happened recently, they went from LA to San Diego. It's not that far, but still, I mean, there's been times when you go from, you know, Massachusetts to Washington, D.C., on the East Coast, so you're 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 traveling, you're up in New York or you're up in Massachusetts, and now you're now you're down in say Columbus for the Columbus Blue Jackets the very next day, and it, it's widespread in NHL, NBA, and the MLB during the regular season. So if they can do it in the regular season, and I know the playoffs, you want to give teams a little chance to rest because some of these games especially in hockey are brutal you know okay give them a day you don't need to give them two so. uh, no I, I i agree um <laughs> i'm just saying this i'm just theorizing that one day the nba is going to have their finals where they're going to have a friday night and a sunday afternoon game 
and then wait all the way up until another Friday night and Sunday game. You watch. I just feel it. It'll happen. I just feel it. I feel mm-hmm. it coming. It's going to be like a whole month ordeal for their finals, and they're going to make a big deal about it, and it's going to be like, come on, I just want to see the next game, you know? And yep. I just, I just, I just feel like that could happen. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned the Phillies because you you talked about going to the Dodgers and to the Padres. You know, the the key I thought was they um they lost um all three games in L.A. and yeah, they was did it. Not good. What was scary about it? Uh, first of all. I don't even want to get into, like, they, they could have won the second game, and they were very well yep. in the third game. And it's, I, I it's can't believe late. that they lost eight, eight, to, eight to one or eight to nothing in that game. I'm like, you've got to be kidding yeah. me. Like, like, it was nothing, nothing going into the bottom of the seventh. Seventh. <laughs> but yep. anyway, I, I, no. I, I digress. I'm with you. They You're, played. Now it's too late. You've. You've got me. You've got me worked up already. I was going to talk about this, by the way, Buck, but you know, there's no denying I'm going to get into it now that you brought it up. I mean, it makes it a little bit well, better hold that, that thought. today they won, <laughs> but they really do need to address their bullpen. Their bullpen. I mean, two things. Their starting pitching needs to go longer innings. You know, you got Vince Velasquez is now, you know, they, they quote unquote, he was injured after what he had four or five games in a row that his average in those games, his average innings was three. He couldn't even get like six innings in. Right. So even in the games that he pitched a little bit longer, he couldn't even get through the six inning. So, their starting pitching needs to get uh, a little bit longer. Now Vince Velasquez, they brought him in that one game. They brought him in um, in middle relief, and he blew it. I mean, he was the guy that blew it. I was like, what the hell is going on with him? You know, he he was doing pretty good for us last year, you know, and he was coming up clutch on some wins that they really needed this year. You know, I, I cringe. There's probably a good eight pitchers that I start cringing, you know, when they bring them in with the Phillies. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah. Alvarez has blown so many games, uh, it, it's crazy. It doesn't show up in his loss column necessarily because the runs might go to the pitcher that he came in um, like two runs might go to the pitcher that he came in for relief for, but when you only have to get one stinking out, I put it on him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have you hold just, that thought. Too many. I'm holding because I want to. I want to bounce back to when they went into L.A. They actually played a home game the night before their first game in LA, which I thought yes, was crazy. You're right. I was like, I, I was like, wow, not even a day off, huh? So right. I really like, I knew they could not win that game and I knew they would come out sluggish. And then I, I just knew, 
I knew the Dodgers had him, and you, you saw um, the key the key element in there, uh, which was you know Dodgers their starting pitching is way better than the uh, than the Phillies, oh. yep. and you know the Phillies gotten hitting lately with the injury bug. Actually, all season they've gotten hit with the injury mm-hmm. bug. And, you know, you were talking about the bullpen giving up so much, and you know, the big name Kimbrel is out there. But you know, the other thing you got to remember is their big, big money um, reliever that they brought in hasn't really played at all for them. You know, in, in Robertson and right. You know he's been hurt pretty much the whole season. Yeah, he he's not played, so he is a key element to their success. And he hasn't he has not really we haven't seen anything from him. So you got that. You got Pat Neshek. He's well in his he head. He's all mess, but also he's also um, injured. You know, so they've they've got especially in the relieving and in the starting pitching, they've gotten hit with the injury bug. Um and of mm-hmm. course now they this week they lose McCutcheon. And I, I gotta ask you, because I did not see the play and I haven't been able to ch- check it out Oh, I saw he got it. injured. Um yep. you know, so uh, the Segura, what the hell did Segura do? Like what happened? That everybody's well, blaming Segura for it. Well, they're saying that he didn't run hard enough, but you could clearly see that he um, slipped out of the batter uh, out of the batter's box. And actually, there were a couple different players that that happened to. And one of the Dodgers players, I can't remember who it was, was um, limping a little bit at first base after a close play, and he was out and he was taking off the gloves because it was the end of the inning, and he was flexing, and I was like, I hope the guy's not injured. And, yes, folks, I don't wish injury on our um, opponents. You know what I mean? So, like, I hope the guy's not injured. And he he finished out the game, you know, but you could see him stretching here and there. On that play with uh, Segura, popped it up. It was right in front of the second baseman. So, rather than catch the ball, the second baseman saw that he, A, slipped out of the batter's box, then B, didn't run hard after that. So he just let the ball drop, threw it to first for the force out, and now McCutcheon is in a um, a rundown. And it didn't take – it wasn't a long rundown, basically threw it to second base, and then he started going back towards first, and he tried to hop around the tag. And as soon as he did that, you know, he started hopping. He's like, oh, oh, you know, the knee. So, mm-hmm. you know, torn ACL and he's out for the season on a play like that. And it's like, ouch. That that hurts us because the whole incident with the Dubal Herrera, and we're going to get into that shortly. You know, I thought, okay, they got Jay Bruce. Good. You know, now now they're back on track from that perspective. Um, and then this happens and I'm like, oh man, this kills us because one of my biggest complaints, we don't have a bat off the bench. I mean, you got Scott Kingry, if everybody was healthy, 
he'd be a good bat off the bench, and he would spell players to give them a break like he did the other night with Mikel uh, Franco. He played so that he could get a break. He's even done it in the outfield where Odubel Herrera got a break or McCutcheon got a break. He could play uh, left or center. He can play third, short, second, you know what I mean? So he's one of those nice utility players. But after that, who do you have? Nobody. I mean, no one. maybe the best option after that might be Sean Rodriguez. Basically an infielder. That's the best they option. By the way, they put Rodriguez out in the outfield as well. But Goslin, I, I mean, for crying out loud, they brought Goslin in that game in the sixth inning that you're talking about where it was nothing, nothing in the seventh, right? Mm-hmm. They brought him in in the sixth inning, the pitch hit for the pitcher. With I saw it. runners on first and second or second and second third? Second and third, anyway, right? Two outs. I thought it was second and third. But, um, That's but what he I looked thought, yeah. at the third strike. And you know how they mm-hmm. have that track box where it shows where the uh, pitch went? I mean. Yeah, you should have pitch, swung at that. There's You cannot. You cannot look at the goddamn pitch when it's over the plate like that. You just can't. And that's what he did. He looked at it, called third strike looking. I mean, and it was funny because Ben Davis, um, uh, the broadcaster, said, was it Ben Davis or somebody else said, um, you know, Aaron Nola could have done that. You know, you could have sent the pitcher back up and, I think it was Pavetta, the the game that Pavetta yeah. pitched, because Pavetta oh, trust me. kept it to like a one nothing game, and no, and then no, you know he, they he kept it, it for to him. a zero zero game, a zero zero game. I thought they, the very moment that you're one. talking about, no, no, Velasquez gave it up in the seventh. The very yeah, yeah. the very switch out for Gosling that you're talking about was the moment that Pavetta was officially out of the game. And he was pitching very well. And I thought that even though it was a situation that actually was bases loaded now that I think about it, because they walked Franco. It was second and third, and they walked Franco you're to get right. to the pitching. You're right. They did walk him. So, so – I mean, I was thinking in. I was like, you should walk this guy because they were talking about it. I was like, because you got the pitcher coming up. But I, I, I 100% thought. I mean, it's a nothing nothing game, and your guy's pitching that well. You need to keep it up because whoever you bring in is going to mess it up, and that's exactly what happened. Well, oh my god, things. it's terrible. Your guy, your guy coming up the bat. He's. They're all messing up. He's not strong enough, right? And your bullpen isn't strong enough. So guess what? Yeah, you know, take a little pride. And I know they would. He would get hammered for, you know, bases loaded, putting sending Nick Pavetta back out there. But I mean, to me, it would be, it would be a sign to the uh, GM. Hey, you haven't given me enough players, uh, you know, off the bench. Because, I mean, look at it. They got this Roman Quinn, 
He plays outfield. He came in when McCutcheon and Herrera got hurt. Remember when we went to the game? It was right around that time Mm -hmm. when these guys got hurt, right? So, you know, they put Nick Williams out there. They put Aaron Altair out there. Well, Nick Williams and Aaron Altair are are down in the – in AAA now. They got this kid, Roman Quinn, that they brought in. They had him for a little bit. You know, these guys, Roman Quinn, Phil Gosselin, um, Sean Rodriguez, who's who's the other one coming in? Um, I think that I think that's it right now, right? That would come well, off the bench because it because of injuries. Got, um, now, yeah, now they have Hazley. Oh, they brought him in, but but yeah, these guys the Take take Jay Bruce out of it because he's going to be playing now because of the injuries, and I know, so it's is crazy. King Green. Um, you know, take these other guys. They're they're batting averages, and you throw Altair and Nick Williams in there when they were doing it. They're they're like below one fifty, one twenty six. One has a, a batting average of one twenty six. This guy has a batting average of one forty. I'm sorry, that's not cutting it. You know, you need somebody nope. to be able to come in when they come in to pinch hit. I mean, you, you've you got to do your job. You're not going to be perfect. You might be a little cold and stuff like that. But, I mean, you, you've got to be able to do something. Pop the ball up, you know, you know, especially when they do it and they've got one out. It's like drive the ball deep to get a, uh, you know, to let them tag got to do something these guys they're not cutting it and then you got our regular lineup which on paper you look at and go wow all right you know harper hoskins they're all batting in the in the high 200 jt romuto's been batting real good scott kingry's been batting really good Macal franco he's you know in a cold streak right now but um you know he was batting good they all go through it. Segor is probably one of their steadiest hitters, you know. He gets he gets a base hit almost every game. Um, you know, line drives, stuff like that. Cesar Hernandez went through a slump. Now he's kind of out of that. Now they're all kind of, you know, back and forth. And it's like, ugh. So, you just like I mean, to see just, them all – Gelling and doing well at the same time. You haven't seen that once all yes. season. No, no. And then here, I'm going to do this for you. Confidence level. All right. You know, just just do like. Uh, yep, I'm I'm behind them. I have a high confidence level in them. Um, eh, mediocre or nope, nope. They scare me. That. That makes sense to you. I'm going to name the pitchers, and you tell me. Oh, Aaron okay. Nola, where's your confidence level uh, with Aaron Nola? Um, it's okay. I mean, you know, I'm confident he's going to throw okay, but he he hasn't been great this year. He has his moments, but at the same time, he's that pitcher, kind of like Cole Hamels was when they when they won the uh, World Series, where he gives up maybe one run, you know, and every once in a while he gives up 
more, you know, but then the bats don't wake up from. So anyway, Jake Arietta. I have no confidence at all he can stay consistent. He's good one game and horrible the next. It's that's him. And that's a and that's a guy that we were confident about last year. Right? Not so much Until this year. year. Zach Eflin. Um, you know, uh, I, I gotta say, like, his, he's in the same boat, but I mean, I have a little bit more confidence. I think he's done a lot better than, uh, like last year. So I have a little bit more confidence this year compared to last year with him. I would say so. He's, he's pitched two complete games this year. One, um, was a shutout, um, not a no hitter, but it was a shutout. And the other one was like a one nothing or two one win by the Phillies. Um, so he has, for me, I have more confidence in him than some of the other guys that routinely you would put in front of him. Jared Eichhoff. Yeah, I mean he's all right. I don't. I I, I really don't. I, he's in the same boat as pretty much every other pitcher. I mean, you don't have yep. you don't have a whole lot of confidence basically in any of their starting pitching. Um, right. You know, Pavetta. you're winning some games. Same. Uh, well, his I got to see where he pitched really well the other night. Night eight nothing loss. Right. Um, but it wasn't lost by him. It was lost by the the bullpen. So. I mean, he really Agreed. played well that. So if that's the Nick Pavetta that we're going to see after going down to the minors, um, I'm con- I, I am confident that he can bounce back. We'll we'll see what happens when he throws a bad game. That's when it really messes with his head. So, exactly. yeah, you know, my my confidence is is a little iffy with him. So, I think in their starting pitching, Aaron Nola and Nick Pavetta are those guys that I in between moderate to high confidence in them. Yeah, and then Zach Eflin, I have moderate confidence in him. Eikhoff, Arietta, they're, they're good one game, bad, so I don't really have confidence in them. Now, here's where it gets good. They're bullpen. <laughs> oh. You talked about him before, Pat Neshek. He's He's injured, but... I really don't have confidence in him. He's he's come in and, you know, doesn't even get through a full inning and they replace him. And then he'll have a game where he'll pitch two innings. And I'm like, whoa, okay, where's that Pat Neshek when we need him? Well, that and he can't – he's a relief pitcher who can only pitch, like, five every five days like a starter. Like – that's yes. not what we need. We need That's a guy a who can come in and pitch three out of five games. Especially if you're only pitching for one or less innings. Vince Velasquez was a starter. Quote, unquote, got hurt, went down to like AAA uh, briefly after, quote, unquote, after the injury. Um, I don't believe there was an injury if you get my drift on the quote, unquotes. He was struggling. 
he's still struggling. Now, because of him coming back from an injury, quote-unquote injury, they've been playing him out of the bullpen versus starting. No, we've seen it enough times to know that this guy lost his starting position, and they're trying to do um, – Oh God! What was what was the guy's name? He was a Cole starter Irwin. pitcher for the Phillies, huh? Oh, I, I, I thought you were saying they were trying to do um, the lefty who they brought up, Cole Irvin. But hey, oh, you were no, going no. a different direction. I'm talking about back in like 2008 when they won the World Series. Um, I can picture him. I just can't think of the name. He was a starting pitcher for us for a number of years, and then he, he got hurt, was struggling a little bit, not Myers. They did that with Myers, but it was the uh, tall, lanky guy. They started uh, – they put him in the bullpen, and guess what? He was perfect for the middle relief because he was a starting pitcher who's used to pitching some innings. Yep. Ryan Matson. That is – that's it. Matson, he he did perfect for them. I think that's what they were hoping for with Velasquez. Nope, not happening. Then you got Sir Anthony Dominguez. Ugh. He, I, there's times, and it's very few, very few, where he can get you a couple innings. But then there's other times when he comes in and he gets shelled. Nicasio. They had the, uh, one guy, Edgar Garcia, that they brought up, and apparently this Tommy Ugh. Hunter, who, you know, has been injured. Apparently he's coming back. Victor Arano. Yeah, that's – Adubre Ramos, Ugh. Jose Alvarez. Ugh. I don't Ugh. trust them. No how. <laughs> and then you get Hector Neres, who, for the most part, you know, as a closer, does well. But then you get those games, like the game that we were at, except that, you know, Alvarez basically screwed it up um, for him. But you get those games where, you know, Neres starts shaking off the, the signs from the catcher, and you know eh, not it's not going to happen now, you know. And, you know, he has two outs. Has two outs, just has to get the third, and the game is over. <clears throat> starts shaking off signs, starts playing around, trying to get batters chased. Next thing you know, it's first and second, or second and third, or bases loaded because he hit a guy. And it's like, or it gives up like, the game oh, tying no. home run. Yeah. So He's done that a couple times. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Game tying or game winning. Uh been rough. It's crazy. Uh, out no, of, I, I, out I of really all don't... those bullpen, out of all those bullpen guys that you did mention, though, I think Naris is the guy that I have the most confidence in. The problem with that is that he's not a closer. He's not a closer. Right now, he's not a closer, Robert but they're trying there, to. Yeah. Right. They're trying to because they got no closer. They got. They don't have a closer. Like, even when the Robertson comes back, I guess that's they're going to be their closer, but he's not a closer. He's an eighth, he's an eighth inning guy. Neris should be a seventh inning guy. Back in 2014 and 2015, the Kansas City Royals went to the World Series both years, and they had 
suspect starting pitching. I mean, some guys were okay. Some guys were a little off. You know, you couldn't completely rely. Very much reminds me of the starting pitching that the Phillies had. But what they did have is a stellar 7th, 8th, and ninth inning guy that they could rely on just about any day. And that is what the Phillies need if they want to make this work the way they're trying to make it work. Because if you look at it, they've probably given up uh, about seven games. And that's just off of the top of my head, about seven games that they have lost in the last – in the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning, or yep, last three uh, innings, because their yep. bullpen is very inconsistent, and they have moments where oh, you know what? Hey, this week the bullpen's been doing really well, and then <laughs> they can't keep it consistent. It, it, their whole pitching staff is pretty inconsistent. I mean, the only, the most consistent guy is Aaron Nola, and he hasn't been consistent this year. So that is where it lies for them. Um, And I guess they thought that because on paper, their offense looks so good. And basically most of the guys are starters each and every day because they got no bench, but the thing is, is that, you know, it hasn't produced the runs that I don't, that they were thinking, you know, and, you know, there are, because they've been inconsistent too. There, there are games where they pull out like two or three runs, uh, and then there's games they pull out like 10 or more. And, you know, I mean, honestly, yeah. you know, the last two so games, I- like today they win, they they, they scored six. Uh, yesterday they won, they scored nine. You know, um, it's obvious that if they want to continue to be on the winning way, uh, they, they're going to need to score, like, five or more runs a game. And they're going to need to get innings out of their um, starters, like, good innings. Like, yep. six, six isn't really cutting it anymore. You need to kind of, for, like, every rot- every rotation of – the five guys, I would say that three out of the five, uh, as they're going through each rotation, if that makes any sense, should have seven or more innings pitched in a game. And that's not, that's not the philosophy of the team. But right now, until they get their Tommy Hunter back and their Robertson back and maybe pick up a guy somewhere along the way, as a reliever and knee shack back and all these guys, that's they're going to need to get innings out of their starters. They, I know it's not a concept yep. that they really believe in, um, and Gabe Kapler doesn't believe in, but it needs to happen. Um, and can't really I think blame you nailed the it there because the the um, one yeah, the one guy I didn't talk yeah. about that I didn't bring up was Adam Morgan. Adam Morgan, I think, can um, give us some uh, good middle relief. Um, But then, you know, every once in a while he has that game where it's like, what the hell did you do, you know? But isn't he hurt too? 
Uh, he's hurt right now, yes. So. That's what I'm saying. Until they get these guys back. On, in theory, they have a lot of injuries in the relieving area. And when they get those guys back, they could be very well much better placed. Um, of course, yeah, I, I could go. Jesus, I could go the next. I could go the rest of the show about this team. Um, you know, because they bring in Jay Bruce to be that bat off the bench that they could get some. You know, he, he he's a power guy. You know, he he he's a veteran. You know, he can hit, but he he yep. strikes out a lot, which is also something that apparently is like. I don't think anybody in Major League Baseball cares about the strikeout anymore. It's like whatever, you know. You're either you're hitting hard or you're you're not hitting at all, um, which bothers the hell out of me. Like you know, where are the guys with the 300 or better batting averages anymore? Like consistently, like you see way too many guys like in the 220s. Who you know? Okay, they're hitting 220, but they've got 14 home runs. Screw the 14 home runs. All right, that's only 14 runs. Give me the RBIs. RBIs for those people. Small ball wins. Uh, small ball wins yeah. games. So you know, give me a guy like uh, Kingry, Segura, Realmuto when they're on. Tell you right now. Hard. Problem is, they're not. I'll tell you right now, it wasn't ever sexy, but the the guy that I would love to see, or at least the guy who kind of resembles him, is a Tony Quinn guy. A Tony Gwynn guy. When Tony Gwynn played, there was a consistent hitter. Consistent. Oh, man. Used to love watching him hit because he was a consistent hitter. You know, and he, you know, I'll throw another name out there, which say what you will about him and about, you know, taking the steroids and everything. Barry Bonds was a hitter. You know, maybe towards the end of his career when he was with the Giants on the juice, as they say, and everything like that, his home runs actually, you know, totally, you know, jacked up, but if you think about it, he was a good hitter. He had a good average, you know, um, and almost throughout his whole career, really. So, where has that gone? Like, the stars of the show anymore, like, we have one here. We have Bryce Harper. You know, you know for a while he was going, He at one point, he, I think he was hitting 219, 216. Um, when he was going through his struggles, he's bounced back. It's good. The last couple of weeks has been good to see uh, because he's really bounced back. Um, and I think he's up in the 250s now. But still, I want to see a guy who has minimal power or, or, you know, when I say minimal power, say he's a 20 to 30 home run guy. But he's got over 100 RBIs, you know, he gets a bunch of doubles, gets a bunch of, you know, clutch hits, you know, with guys on scoring in scoring position, you know. An- another thing I want to see come back is, can can we can we get the bump back? Nobody bumps anymore. 
And, you know, another thing with the Phillies is nobody really steals anymore either. Like, all those things that you talk about with small ball don't really happen. And they take all that away, and they talk about analytics. And I'm like, man, you need to see regular baseball again because you can say all you want about analytics and the numbers and everything, but... You know, you know, give me, give me a, a Minnesota Twins team back when Kirby Puckett played for them. You know, they won a couple of championships there with him. You know, what I mean, those those teams had, oof, you know, those teams had some hitters. You know, what I mean, um, I I I could. If I thought about it a little bit harder, I could come up with some team. I, I'll say, you know, the two, the 2015 Royals had had a hell. They didn't have a lot of power, but they had a hell of a lineup um, because you know they played a lot of small ball too. Uh, right now, they're doing the same thing. They're, they're one of the worst teams in the league, but they're doing the same thing. They're stealing a lot of bases. They're trying because they know they can't play the big ball. They're trying to play small ball. Um, and, you know, there are moments where it's quite effective. Teams don't know how to deal with it. And if you get guys who are real, like have the talent on high-quality teams, if you start getting them to go and, and, and buy into the old way of baseball, you know, and getting some of that small ball back. Who knows? You might you might see uh, some more some more wins here. You know what I mean? That's just my opinion. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Well, I want to I want to um, change course. We spent a, almost an hour on our weekly updates. So <laughs> want to get into some of these other topics, and it's. It's my fault just as much as it's yours before you, you, you know, get a little upset there. Um, we could talk all day about that. And the hard part is, I, I think, I wanted to say earlier, I apologize, I'm going to go back. I wanted to say earlier, because you nailed it, like you kept describing things. And the most common word that you used in each one is inconsistent. So, um, I would have to say that's dead on in a description of the Phillies right now this year, right? Right. Yet they're in first uh, place. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Go but, figure. Um, uh. Last week, we weren't able to do the show, and that was on my end. Um, but, you know, I had this topic, and I kept it in there that I wanted to talk about. Last Monday – the arrest of Billy's outfielder, Odubel Herrera. He was arrested and charged with domestic violence last Monday night in Atlantic City. Go figure. You know, I, you know, it, it's like deja vu with Ray Rice at a uh, Atlantic City uh, casino. This one being the Golden Nugget Hotel. An incident with a 20-year-old woman basically indicated that that's his uh, girlfriend. I think he's like 27. But um, 
you know, I read up a little bit more about it. The, the woman declined medical treatment, but the Atlantic City Police Department said that she suffered visible hand scratches to her arms and an unspecified injury to her neck. And that Herrera, from the woman, was identified as the perpetrator of the assault. So, stemming from that, you know, the Phillies contacted Major League Baseball immediately, and um, the MLB put him on administrative leave. And just the other day, they extended that administrative leave till June 17th. So I guess they're waiting for all the, you know, uh, investigation, all the reports to come into them before they make a final decision on him. So I asked you, what do you think, well, one, what do you think they might do the league-wise? You know, the team can do what they want. Um, let's say the league says, uh, you know, the administrative leave, time served, no big deal. But then the team says, you know what, we want to part ways with them because we we won't stand for domestic assault, which, by the way, is one of the um, one of the, I, I guess, causes is how you would say it. one of the leading causes, Gabe Kapler and his wife domestic assault so how's that sit with him you know if everything holds true in these allegations Herrera did um, assault this uh, woman you know where's that hold with him and they say oh yeah yeah you know time served no big deal so I asked you again what do you think will come back or what do you think the Phillies should do okay well First of all, what's going to happen is is that at the end of this administrative leave or whatnot, which you said is June 17th, Major League Baseball is not going to say time served. That's for sure, um, you know, for two reasons. One, it's a serious issue. It is a serious issue. And two, it's become a very serious issue in sports combined. Um Lately, and and it's yeah, well, the not last five years been tolerated. So exactly the thing yep. is, is that you know they're going to respond to it. What he's probably going to get is fifty to sixty games suspension. Um, and then after that, uh, he he is going to you know either be traded or uh, let go by the Phillies. But, you know, with their situation currently now, with McCutcheon gone, you know, they might very well keep him. I, I, I have some, you know, some issues. Because, you know, it, to me, and maybe that's, it's our upbringing or whatnot, you should never hit a woman. Uh, it, it's just, to me, in, in my heart of hearts, I feel like the biggest punishment you could give um, should be what you assess. Um, I also believe in second chances. You know, if the guy, you know, learns from it and can um, bounce back from it and, you know, still have, 
know, his career, but also, you know, do a lot of things in the community to, you know, help in domestic violence and whatnot, you know, then I, I believe he should get a second chance, but first he should get a penalty. I don't think 50 day games is good enough. I think he should be banned for the rest of the year for sure. I always believe in, you know, whatever you do in sports, cause you're held to a higher standard. Um, you should, when these things come up, you should not only be penalized, but there should be some kind of system into getting back into the game. Um, you know, rehab, you know, getting back into, you know, you know, mm-hmm. giving back to the community, you know, um, therapy, community, yes, service. all this. Yeah. I mean, and then this, this, this doesn't just happen by, by the way, this doesn't just happen in sports or, or movies or anything like that, where these things happen, regular jobs that are out there have these plans put in place for these types of situations. So I feel that so should sports, and I believe that there should be a hefty, hefty penalty, something that makes him definitely, you know, think about what he's done. Um, and then after all that, after he, re, you know, comes back and everything like that, I honestly don't believe he should be a Philly. I think the Phillies should let him go. Um, the argument could be made, the argument could be made, what if this was a different player on the Phillies? Yeah. What if it wasn't Odubel Herrera? Say, for instance, what if it was, I'm just saying, I'm just coming out with a name that's more important to the team, like Reese Hoskins, or better yet, Bryce Harper, Mm -hmm. uh, winds up doing this, right? You know, I feel like the Phillies wouldn't let that that player go. Uh, they would do their time, their penalty, say it's 50 games, and then bring them back. I kind of think that's wrong, too. I think it should, should – uh, it sucks, but it should be more. Um, so in yeah. Dubal's case, I don't think he's going to, you know, just because he's already sporadic as it is. Uh, but some team is going to go and, and bite on them. But I don't think the Philly. I think the Phillies should be let it be known that it's not going to be them. You know, let right. some other team I deal agree. with that. You know that that public scrutiny, uh, because you know honestly, you're 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 trying to win games here. You're trying to uh, you know get yourself in the playoffs and, and, and make a run here. And that's just going to be one more extra distraction um, and, quite frankly, just very bad press. Um, You don't want that if you're the Phillies. You don't want that at all. You should wipe your hands clean of this player, and you should figure out what else you want to do with him or do. Uh, Maybe you can trade him to a team that will pick him up and see if he can do something for him, get some something back, something small back, you know, whatever. But, you know, maybe you got to let him go. But you definitely have to do something. And furthermore, yeah, 
Right. I, I let right. If I could jump in, if, if I could jump in on uh, points that you said. I apologize, but I'll lose them by the time you get done. You, you were talking about the, um, you know, punishment, and you believe in second chances, which I do as well. I think you, you you're right there on this. Where one, I think Herrera should be, or any player, rest of the season, they should be you know, suspended for the rest of the season. I believe in second chances, but I believe that the best way for that to to really hit home with players is if they're released by the current team they're with and they have that second chance with another team. We've seen it with multiple different um, uh, professional football players, baseball players, etc., NBA players, and they've gone to other teams, and predominantly in the NFL um, that we can think of off the cuff, and they've they've succeeded in that second chance. But the I don't think it's warranted with the current team that they're with because of the scrutiny and the backlash that they will undergo by keeping that player on their roster. And you need to send a message to these guys that it's not going to be tolerated. And you know what, if you're released and nobody picks you up, well then, you know what, it's your own fault. But anyway, I I wanted to get that in because you said a couple things there that really tied into how I felt about it. You know, the second chances, but, he should be out the rest of the season, anybody. And if it was Reese Hoskins or uh, Harper, I would say the same thing. I, I don't, I, I don't tolerate that stuff. I, I just, you know what? We were taught, you know, never lay a hand on a woman. Um, say what you will. There are women that can hold their own out there, but a man should not be touching a woman. And, you know, this this in this day and age right now should not be tolerated. Right. And and I think I think what has to happen and I think it'll never happen, but I think what has to happen is um there's there's gotta be some kind of penalty for both the player and for the team that will pick him up to go for the second chance. Uh my theory uh is to you know, take like say a Dubal Herrera's I don't know how much he makes a year. But I do know that there's a late middle. So now, because of this, right, you get suspended for the rest of the year, right? You're able to come back, whether with your current team or a new team. But they have to pick up your contract, right? However, because of what you have done as a player and gone against the uh, rules of the league, you get paid league minimum. However, the rest of your contract still goes against the cap on your team, and that money goes to charity or charities for, like, if it was domestic abuse that you got penalized for, it'll go to domestic abuse. Um, if it's for any, you know, drug-related reasons – it goes to that. Or if you get arrested for DUI, it goes to, you know, you know, DUI prevention, something like that. You know what I mean? It goes towards mm-hmm. making something good 
out of the harm that you have caused. It's an idea. I mean, I I would love to see something like that happen uh, along along all sports because you know you have Kareem Hunt as well, you know, and he's he's a high quality player, high quality back. Um, you know, he is in the same boat here where he's going to serve his time. And then after that, you know, it's just like what happens after that, you know, when he comes back, you know, in three years, did we forget about this? No, for the life of your contract, the rest of your contract, you're going to have to get paid league minimum. And the team that has you on their roster has to pick up the money that you would be getting paid the rest of it and sending it to a charity. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I like the, I like the money going to charity. I do like that idea. Um, I looked up real quick. Uh, Herrera signed a five year contract extension in 2016. That goes through 2021 season. It also includes club options, you know, for the Phillies for 2022 and 2023. Um, it was said to be worth $30.5 million with a, an $11.5 million club option for 2022 and a $12.5 million club option for 2023 if they did those options. So basically that five-year extension, $30.5 million. So what's that? That's six. That's six point one million a year. So, you know, I I do like your idea where, okay, now you get paid the league minimum and the rest goes to a charity or some type of percentage. You got guys out there that might be earning, you know, thirty million a year. Yeah, that's that's a little bit different, you know, because I think league minimum is like a hundred some odd thousand, so that might be a little <laughs> that might be a little much. But I do like the idea. But you you have to. But here's the thing: just because he's a more talented player and gets paid more, right? You know, I no, think that you're right. I think that's even more important and more important that I think they have right. to pick yeah. it up. You know, to make it so that, you know, it, it it's like, yo, listen, you know, we know that what we're doing is when trying to win games with a high quality player who has a checkered past. And this is, you know, our pun. I, I feel like a team could come out and right away and be like, listen, we understand that people are not going to be happy with us for what we're doing. But on the same token, you know, the penalty is this, we pay this, and we're willing to pay this because we believe in it. And, you know, we we want to win games, but also we know the importance of this. Like, that's what ha- has, you know, that's what cannot be lost. The importance of what the wrongfulness of the player and what he's done, you know, needs to be addressed as, not just thrown under the rug and put aside, you know, and the right. player like gets a slap on the wrist, eight game suspension or in baseball eight game suspension. You know what I mean? Now, I think the punishment needs to be significant. I already told you it should be the remainder of the season. Here's a thought on your issue, your, your uh, point with the money 
and going to charity, if he's suspended for the remainder of the season, he, he's not playing for the Phils. So that salary should go to the charity for the length of his suspension. The problem with that, what I just you know um, laid out to you, is if the league or the team does not um, implement a sufficient suspension penalty, then you know, then you're not getting a significant money towards the charity. You know what I'm saying? But maybe something like that works. I don't know. Maybe but something should, you know, something should hit their pocket, and you know, they it, it should be a wake up call to them. You know, this this is not tolerated. And guess what? People, everyday people, potentially you lose their jobs for this stuff. So why shouldn't you be uh, held to the same standard? And moreover, like you said, a higher standard because these players, whether they like it or not, are thrown into a role model um, uh, position for kids. I mean, kids are just naturally going to gravitate to that. So, you know, they, they have to be on a, on a higher standard in my opinion. I'll tell you what shouldn't happen. There definitely, you know, should not be a Noduble Herrera back giveaway night. (laughs) (laughs) I like how he used a back giveaway, you know, not not a bobblehead or, or, you know, maybe, maybe it should be a padded jacket. (laughs) <laughs> anyway. there, somebody oh, should get a bobblehead of Odubel, right? And put him in front of a camera and be like, did you do it? And just hit his head so it shakes up and down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. how terrible my works. <laughs> Look, Mom, hey, let's take Odubel a music break. Smash him back. <laughs> let's, let's take a music break. We can finish this up when we come back, but I need to make sure that our listeners know about our fine sponsors in Gnarly Beer Co. These guys, it's a family-owned business. Um, they really care about their customers. They saw an exponential growth this past year uh, because of what they do. You know, the fact that they take care of the customer, they put the customer first. I highly recommend them for all your beer grooming needs. And guess what? That's not all they do. They do so much more. So you got to go and check them out at gnarlybeerco.com. Check out our sponsors. And if you do make a purchase, make sure you use the promo code SINISTER for a VIP discount. Let them know you heard about them from the show. They're our sponsors. That's what they pay for, folks. So let them know that you heard about them from the show. And uh, you need to go and check them out because they're phenomenal. I have buddies that have used the products. They love the products. And moreover, they love the personal touch from this uh, business. They, they don't, you're not a number. They uh, care about your business and they thank you for that business. So, you know, go and check them out. Just a reminder, we're here every Wednesday night live at 8 p.m. on the Dead Air Nation Network. You can call in whenever you like to talk to us. 646-668-8869. Don't get a ton of callers, but you're more than welcome to call in. I know you're probably sitting there going, how the hell am I going to get a word in between 
fucking cap, especially Cappy. But it happened. We're actually pretty you good know? with it. <laughs> ask, our, ask our good friends, Mr. and Mrs. Bringing It Boys. Boys! <laughs> they, they get their word in, uh, particularly Suzette, because, you know, she actually said some very good stuff. So maybe bringing it, boy, might want to listen up. No, nah, I'm kidding, boy. I'm kidding. Anyway, let's hit a music break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get into uh, the Belmont Stakes, finish up a little bit of this uh, uh, talk if need be, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
You are listening to Buck and Cat. You are listening to Buck and Cat. You are listening to Buck and Cat. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to the Buck and Cat Show. Brought to you by our fine sponsors, Gnarly Beer Co. Go and check them out at gnarlybeerco.com. And the Dead Air Nation Network. And on that note, a programming note for you folks. The Bad Boys of Radio return this Sunday, the 9th. That's right. Mr. Sinister, Andy, and Billy return to the airwaves. So you need to you need to tune in and check them out. Um, I'm looking at it right now. They've got their lineup. Summer is here, and so is the laziest show in the history of radio. <laughs> we may not broadcast often, but when we do, you can guarantee an insane action-packed show, and that's true. So join Mr. Sinister, Billy and Andy, for another action-packed night of radio shenanigans. So it's summer's officially here, and they're going to talk about their plans for the summer and address the giant elephant in the room of why they don't broadcast often. Tune in Sunday. It's going to be a jam-packed show, and I know – that uh, whenever they get together, I just clicked the wrong button, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for the long pause there. But I know whenever they get together, it's always a good time. So come and check them out on Sunday. And come and check us out every Wednesday at 8 live here on the Dead Air Nation Network. Welcome back to the show. I'm Cap. He's Buck. We were talking about the Phillies. We were talking about, um, you know, the, the Philadelphia Phillies. Center field, wow. I, woo, it just poured. I'm like, what the hell was that noise? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I doubt that you caught it on the airwaves, but, man, there's water pounding against the back window, and my dogs are at my feet. So if you hear uh, dogs barking or panting or scratching, yeah, I can't do anything about it. They get nervous, particularly one gets very nervous during storms. Um, anyway, Buck, we we were going to review the Belmont Stakes. Before we do that, so, Cappy, yeah, I need yep, to address yep, the elephant in the room. Uh, the okay. elephant in the room here is is that our demographic is probably what you would say between uh, men of the age 25 to about 50, that's probably our demographic, right? Probably. Right. So then we play a song called I Touch Myself, which is probably oh, damn right. the demographic for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know that every single one of them are doing it. <laughs> I know. There's no, there's the, no point the in denying The thoughts that went it. in my head, I was like, man... We, are we really playing that song? Because now everybody's going and getting their jergens. Oh, man, you, that's you terrible. Know, you know I play that type of stuff on purpose. Um, but candidly, I haven't updated songs in the studio. Um, you know, so I, I, I was like, yeah, I should have just went up uh, in the studio and picked uh, something from Sinister X or, you know, uh, one of the many – uh, interviews, the groups that uh, Sinister, Mr. Sinister and Billy and Andy have interviewed. So, 
But uh, it is what it is. I still find it very comical, you know. But after our topic, there are a number of them that I'm like, okay, can't play Come On Eileen, uh, Kung Fu Fighting, <laughs> um, you know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know do, we might get in the same situation as the Duval Herrera, you know? <laughs> you never know. So, you know, can't, I can't play keep with it. Playing somebody else. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Uh, anyway. Good Lord. Belmont Stakes this Saturday, I believe 637 is the, um, is when it goes off. So, there's 10 horses right now. I know the one that you like. It actually is the one that I like because I had the horse up there in my Kentucky Derby uh, picks. But let me run it down for you, all right? In the, in the one post, in the first post position, you got Jovia, J-O-E-V-I-A. There's going to be a play on that, I think, Buck, just because of the name. For yeah. the listeners out there who don't know, my first name is Joe. So, um, you know, 30 to 1 odds. Yeah, I'm not big on the trainer. Um, really don't know the jockey, Jose Boscano. I don't know him he's, well enough. Okay. Let's put it that way. Um, so, needless to say, one of those things where I'm like, eh, you know, I'll do something. With them, uh, the number two post you have Everfast, uh, runner-up from the Preakness, twelve to one odds. The trainer is Dale Romans, the jockey is Luis Sayas. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Now, interesting note <laughs> on that horse. Well, more so the trainer. Dale Romans has four third-place finishes in this race. But none better but than none that. Better than so that. he has placed better than third. Yeah, so none better than that. <laughs> but four third-place finishes. So it might play a factor in a bet. Uh, number three post, Master Fencer, 8-1 to one odds. Japan's Foreign Invader is eligible for a 1 million winning bonus. I just, you know what? I think I've gotten burnt on some of those horses that come out, uh, you know, Japan or someplace else, and I just don't, I just don't like it. I don't think I'll touch it because I think I get burnt by it. Uh, number four, I'm getting into analytics here. I'm sorry. Number four post tax at fifteen to one. Trainer is Danny Gargan, and. The jockey is Irad Ortiz Jr., whom I like. Uh, number five post is Bourbon War, 12 to 1 odds. The trainer is Mark Hennick. The jockey, Mike Smith. Number six post, spinoff at 15 to 1 odds. Trainer, Todd Pletcher. And the jockey, Javier Castellano. Another guy I like. Number seven post, Sir Winston at 12 to 1 odds. Trainer Mark Cass and jockey Joel Rosario. Number eight post, Intrepid Heart at 10 to 1 odds. Todd Pletcher and John Velasquez. 
Number nine post for Will at two to one odds. Obviously the favorite there after winning the Preakness. Mark Cass and Tyler uh, Gaffleone. I hope I pronounced that right. I always mess up his name. Uh, number ten post hey, Tacitus. Did I get it? Yeah, uh, it, it is Gaffleone. You got that right. But his uh, trainer is Mark Cassie. Cassie. Uh, I keep saying Cassie. Tacitus is at the 10 post, 9 to 5 odds, Bill Mott and Jose Ortiz. So, uh, where do you see it, Buck? I know where I see it. Um, We're going to go with you first. I want to kind of hear what you uh, have in mind. I've pretty much um, had my mind set after the Kentucky Derby with my favorite, but let's hear what you got. I'm kind of in the same boat with you because we both said the same thing. Tacitus, son of Tappet, right? Um, and sons of Tappet have won three of the last five Belmonts. Just, just to let you know. Um, you know, when this horse ran in the Derby, I put it up there in my bets. But you and I both said we like this horse for the Belmont because of the distance, spread for distance. Well, guess what? Another one is Intrepid Heart. You know, Intrepid Heart um, is the Belmont, um, is the half-brother of the 2014 Belmont runner-up commissioner and also has Tappet as a sire. So from a breeding sense, that horse should be, should be a perfect fit for this race. Will it be? I don't know. But I like Pletcher. I like Velasquez. Uh, War of Will won the Preakness buck, and you and I had the discussion about the Kentucky Derby. We didn't think he would win the Kentucky Derby, uh, but he was interfered with. Um, and who knows? That horse, and it was in the first position on both races. It was on the uh, one post. He's at the nine post this time. So the two horses that will favor in my bets will be Tacitus and War of Will. Um, Intrepid Heart will be thrown in, um, in in a trifecta somewhere. Sir Winston, for me, will probably hit um, in one of the bets. And uh, Bourbon War and Everfast, for me. Those horses will play a factor. And like I said, because of the name Jovia, there there might be, a, uh, you know, I might just place a uh, win bet on that horse. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. It's not a, so, not a bad idea. So there you have it. Those are the horses I like. And I'm thinking, Buck, I'm thinking about jumbling it up. I'm thinking about doing something like Tacitus on top with a number of horses behind him. War of Will on top with a number of horses behind him. And I might even do something like, you know, um, Everfast in um, show with other horses above him. Boxed. Okay. Other horses boxed above him. Now, I say that now, and you know me, It'll probably change by Saturday, but oh, mm-hmm. I should point out my daughter Steph, who's into the right. horse racing. Erica, not so much. 
Seth, we were back here looking at the horses, and she's like, I kind of like Intrepid Heart, right? She likes the name. Why is that? She likes John Velasquez. She also likes the um, the uh, jersey that the uh, jockey will be wearing. And, just um, so happens and don't to be laugh too eight. hard, folks. <laughs> yeah, and she also see the the story behind number eight is years ago. My father, her pop pop, asked her, "Seth, what do you want to do? What do you like?" And she just said number eight, you know, because she liked number eight. And guess what? The horse won. And my father placed a bet on that horse because she said that. My my dad was known to do stuff like that. Like, uh, pick a number one through ten. What's your favorite number? What are the, you know, blah, blah, blah. What about these horses? I'll say the name. Which one do you like just by the name? And I'll place a bet because of what you said. But anyway, um, she did say that. She also liked Tacitus and Bourbon War. Okay. So there right. you have it. Okay. Kind of the same I guess so. Um, all right. Uh, I pretty much just go by learning here. Um, you know, missed out on that uh, preakness because of uh, doing uh, some stupid stuff. So I'm not going to really do that this time. The, two, the, the horse I really like is Tacitus. So you're going to see him up top on uh, my bet for exacta, $2 exacta. And I'm just going to go the field for second place. So that's going to be nine other horses. Yeah. Times two is 18. So there's $18 right there. Um, then I'm going to do the same thing. Maybe not. I think maybe that's all I do exacto-wise. I mean, that's the horse I want. So I don't know if I'm going to try to cover that with War of Will and do the same thing. I think I'm just going to go there. Uh, however, uh, cheaper cheaper moment, maybe this is where I do the War of Will thing. Trifecta-wise, I'm going to actually go with a dollar trifecta with War uh, with um Tacitus on top, all on the second, and for the third position, I'm going to go with War Will. It's an eight-dollar bet. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it, it gets fancier. Then I'm going to do a bet that's another eight-dollar bet where I'm just going to flip first and third in the fact that I'm going to have War Will up top with Tacitus in third. And interesting. I like it. And then I'm thinking with that involved, you're talking about eighteen and then sixteen, what does that make? Um thirty four? Thirty four dollars yes. so far bet. I, I know I'm going to do more than that, um, but I'm looking to probably go Tacitus in the top position um, and go in the Superfecta, go Tacitus in the top position, 
go master fencer in what, four. A dollar? A dollar super? Yes, dollar, dollar super. Master fencer in fours. And that's the only place he could do for me to win. And then just mess with some horses. I think horses like Bourbon War and Attacks I'll keep out. Uh, but mess with the rest of the field as far as going into the second and third position in there. Jovia, too. Uh, so that's three horses that I take out. So then what do we have left? Three, five, five total horses. Um, five times five is dollars so, bet. So, so if the I horses did, that you're not going to put in that are Jovia. Which other one did you say? Jovia, Tax, and Bourbon War. Yeah, I'm not a big. Yep. I'm not a big lover of Tax in this race. So. Gotcha. Yeah, that's where that's, that's where I'm at here. So and that's where I'm pretty much going to figure it out to be. Uh, so there you have it. I mean, there's, there's my, uh, pretty, pretty, um, specific betting, um, thought process for the Belmont and Hmm. we'll see where it goes from there. I, 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 I don't know. I I mean, it's all around, it's gotta be all around tasks for me. Part of me was thinking, and this is where, you know, it's like, okay, this, this bet will be a little pricey. Like a trifecta bet with uh, Tacitus up top. Um, and then in, in the show position, I'll probably do all. And in the number two position, I was thinking about, you know, out of the field of 10, you know, minus Tacitus, of course. You know, maybe four to five of them in that um, in that place position. You know, like I he was talking to you about, like, War of Will, Intrepid Heart, Sir Winston, Everfast, and Bourbon War, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the field in all, but then that gets pricey, I believe. I'm trying it to does. Yeah. If, if you did four, if you did four in second, and then you did all in the uh, third position for a trifecta. That mm-hmm. would be that would be thirty six dollars. Yeah, and I don't like to make those type of bets too much. You know what I mean? I mean, I, here's the thing: when you make a bet like that, you, you're trying to keep it down low. Which is why you have to basically, you know, pick one horse that you're either confident winning or confident finishing second or or, or whatnot. Um, so that's you know that's kind of where I went with my smaller bets. Um, I'm willing in, in moments where you you see it happen, you know, you're like that that's me. Like I, I said. I said, definitely the two losses in, in the two heartbreaks kind of in the Preakness and the um, and the uh, Derby made me think. Well, you know, I put I put some money into those two races, and I, I 
it's been harsh the way I lost those two. So I will really probably just step back. My my thought process yep. is and always has been and hasn't wavered from Tacitus. So that's where I'm going. And, um, you know, those other bets will be floated around there. But like I said, like my thing is, you know, specificness. And, I, you know, I remember back a few years back, you know, the last Belmont that uh, Pop got to see. We talk about it all the time, you know, with American Farrell winning the, winning that. Um, you know, the key to that, we won that day too, me, me and Pop. And the key to that was it, it all came down to the number, um, the, for, the horse that finished fourth. Because we won on a superfecta, that always went with a dollar superfecta, and he always went with the top horse. Um, you know, one horse in the top spot, one horse in the uh, fourth spot, and then he used to take two horses and flip them in second and third. It's a two-dollar bet. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So Dad used to just play a, a one-dollar. Uh, try or one dollar superfecta like that all the time, and you know I, I've seen him win it on a few occasions. So it's not like it doesn't win, but it's very rare. And um, it, it when you look into betting and you look out to do it in horse racing, what it, re- it the probability really is just not very well in that situation. Like you want to try to get yourself your probability up, but also keep your price down. So, you know, when you hear me do my my bets, you know, coverage, it's called. You, you want to cover more, but pay less. Mm-hmm. And so that's right. when, you know, you get into, you got to add extra horses here and there uh, instead of your traditional boxes like everybody does. Um, which... You know, by the way, is is good for you know somebody who doesn't know a lot about racing, and to just take a stab at a one dollar trifecta box, six buck bet, six dollar bet, and that's you know, hey, you might get lucky. Go for it. Um, mm-hmm. The bets that I'm going to make that are eight dollars for two dollars extra, I get a lot more coverage. I just need the the, the horses to be first and and second. Uh, or first and uh, third in this in the situation that I said. So, um, so yeah. So, I remember that year though. Um, the fourth horse was a foreign invader um, who had minimal success in the uh, Derby, but didn't place in the top four in the Derby. Uh, so I remember that year. I forget what the horse's name was, but I said, you know what, this horse. Um, this horse isn't going to finish in the top three, but I say, boom, he's number four. And we, we were talking about, you were right there with us, uh, mm-hmm. when we were talking about it. And then he just, you know, he said, I, this is the bet I want to make. And, uh, I, I, when the race went off, you know, I totally forgot it was a $10 bet, but it, it wound up being $20. But, uh, sure enough. Um, 
he meant it to be ten dollars. He he was he was banking on the horses finishing. He he had a specific order as to where they were going to finish, and I did what he normally does, and I flipped the two and the three around, um, and it was a twenty dollar bet and one over two thousand. So that's where I'm that's where I'm going at with this. You know, I, I Master Fencer was coming up in the Derby. You know, he, I think he finished eighth. But he was really making headway at the end. I think he can finish in fourth here, and um, that's why I'm I'm doing it. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see how it goes. I like it. I do. That's a, you know what? Sometimes you just have to make the gutsy um, bets. You know what I mean? I figured I'm going to yeah. uh, do a trifecta box for the ones that Steph um, came up with. And then the horses that I told you about with like War of Will and Tacitus being in on those bets. So then like, you know, one with Everfast in there, uh, one with um, uh, Intrepid Heart in there, and one with Sir Winston in there. Um, but I'm trying to think of that one bet, you know, like the maybe like the trifecta uh, with two horses at the top and the field in third, or like you said, one in the one position, one in the third position, and then the field in the uh, second position. Um, what What is that again? That's an $8 bet? Because you have them um, in there. Yeah, because like what that. you'll do is you'll, you'll key in a horse in the first place and you'll key in a horse in the third, at least eight horses left. So the dollar trifecta yep, um, makes it an eight dollar bet. That's eight individual bets. So um, yeah, you know, and then um, your two dollar exacto that comes out to be eighteen, right? Because you put one in the um, winning and the other one in right. the field. Um, uh, placing the fee- and yeah, the I almost said to, show. You know, finish second. So yes, yeah. that is that is yeah. my um, my thought process and my idea. Yeah, we'll I see like how, them. We'll see I, how I, I do like them. Yeah, you never ever know. I mean, some of the bets that you're talking about the the horses have to finish first or in your, like your trifecta, one has to finish first, the other one has to finish third, um, you know, and then in your super, Tacitus has to um, win first, Master Frencer needs to finish fourth or else the, the bet is done. Um, you know me, I'm a fan of the uh, the box, which really is I'm the guy that they love because those bets usually, you know, they usually get a lot of them, you know, so it makes up for the wins. Right. But um, but I'm thinking about, like I told you before, I was thinking about, you know, doing something a little different than my, my norm. I'll still have, you know, uh, three or four trifecta boxes, probably a play on Jovia, um, you know, and then, uh, that one bet that will be, you know, anywhere between that 
eight to eighteen dollar type of bet, like you said, maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe a twenty four, but I, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna try and keep it down, you know. So not go too crazy. Usually when I don't go too crazy is when I, you know, do something I fare somewhat. Like that twenty five dollar win, you know? It's like okay, I got something mm-hmm. back. Yeah. I mean the um the idea always is to, you know, make a bet that you think that you hope out turns out all right. I mean, like a two dollar bet would say Tacitus wins or will finish his second. And you get in in my situation I get um like twenty some bucks back at the best. It's probably gonna be less than that. Um but then, you know, I get that little bit of money back and then say maybe in this case yeah, I wouldn't win my trifectas, but maybe the master fencer finishes fourth. And one of the horses that I pick in goes and finishes third, then I win that bet. And then that will definitely give me the money back that I bet on this. But, I mean, for me, I've always bet in the situation where in these bigger races where I put myself in a situation where you know, of course I can lose all of them, but I put myself in the situation, and if I if I'm wrong in my thought processes, which you know obviously happens, um, you know, I can always count on you know maybe one one bet coming out, and then I, I make some money back, um, but then you know my whole hope. In, in my betting is, is that I nail all three. Like I nail that exact task that this wins and like say intrepid heart or another horse comes out in, in second and then war will finishes third. So now I have the trifecta that I hit and then the master fencer finishes fourth. So now I have that superfecta that I hit and then everything goes the way I want it. I've had days like that, um, and it's been glorious. And those, you know, those days—that's what—that's what I'm always trying to go for when I make my betting. I hear you. To I hear you. To you at least come I out with some of better. the money back, or even, but have that possibility to just nail it all. Yep. Yeah, where I usually do better when I used to go to the racetrack uh, locally all the time. You know, not these big races, you know, the local small races um, where, you know, you had a field of seven to nine horses. And, you know, you you, you could really get a sense of how to narrow it down, Um, you know, particularly when you had the favorite going off of, you know, say uh, three to one odds or something like that. You got that one horse in there that has that seven to five odds, always liked horses like that, you know. And then uh, and then you have the the rest of the field, you know, uh, you know, might have one that's 
at a 10 to one or an eight to one. And then the rest are like, you know, 17 to one and 30 to one or 22 to one. You're like, okay, I can kind of narrow this down. Um, but I would always try and find that one race where that one horse, you know, would just come out of nowhere. You know, sometimes I, I, I get the right race and other times I wouldn't, but you know, I was typically winning. Like I, I used to do a lot of exactas, you know, and those I used to do pretty well on. So anyway, you know, you get to these big I, races. I, I start doing those trifecta boxes and, yeah, might might need to try and keep it a little more simple. I had a um I had a an interesting um situation just a couple weeks ago. And so you know, I was looking into Belmont stuff and everything like that and because you you said looking for that one race where you find that one horse that, you know, is got of really good odds to him and everything like that and you know you say to yourself yeah this 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 horse I feel is going to do something I had that moment I, I remember it it was I was looking at a a particular track and I it's I it's not um a well-known track uh but I was looking at it and I was seeing you know I I'm familiar with jockeys in most tracks and so when I see a certain jockey and I see a certain price and I'm like, you know, why is this? Like the, the, this, this horse is really that bad. Like the, the trainer wasn't terrible. The, the, the jockey was a very decent jockey in the, um, in the particular track he was at. Uh, but his odds were the worst out of the bunch. I think there was only six horses in the whole race. And his odds were the worst by far. Like he was like a 15 to one. Um, so it wasn't like he was 30 to one or anything like that. He was like 15 to one. And I said, I'm, I'm going to take a, like I had, a, I, I had a little bit of money and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a stab on this. And I, I think I had like 20 in the bank thing. And with six horses, I put a $2 exacta down on him to finish first and the field to finish second, which was five other horses. So $10 play. Uh, so I, sure enough, the favorite comes in second. He comes in first. And, you know, I, I had a pretty decent price on that, you know, $2 exact. I think I went over, you know, I know I went into the triple digits. So I know that my bank account went up to in that on that went up to over a hundred. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I do know this, Kathy, mm-hmm. that uh, yes. I, I hope I get to see the race live, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm going to be tight for time this weekend. So uh, until Sunday, so I know that I'm going to have to try to get that bet in on Friday. Uh, and go to the place and, and get it in. I'm going to go after after work, um, uh, namely because I might not have the time to actually at work put in bets. And I thought, no, I won't be I won't be out of state. I will be in Jersey, so I will be able to put them in. But 
you know, I banked some of that money off of theirs too. So I'd probably have to put in money into my account to do it. So we'll see. But anyway, you know, that's, that's where I'm going. So mm-hmm. it should be, you know, fingers crossed. I, and you know, if it doesn't, if it's not me who's winning, I hope that somebody in the family does. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, the thing is, is that usually, you know, (laughs) we start talking about this, and I'm like, that's why I said you go first because I was like, man, I'm just interested to see who he's going to say. Um, because I already knew who I was going to say, and you know, sure enough, as it comes again. You know, we like pretty much the same horses, so it's like here we go again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like when we sit down and either watch we're race, winning it all or not. About the race, right? You know, with us, it's like sometimes we sit down and watch the race together, and, and you know, inevitably, if we don't, we talk about the race afterwards, and we talk about, wow, I like this horse, and you know, one thing that impressed me from that, we said this. What a couple years ago, Buck? I can't remember what the horse was. You and I both called it. We went. Did you see that horse just come out of nowhere towards the end? That's the horse that you have to watch out for in the Belmont. May not win, but it's it's definitely going to be up there in the top three. And bam, we hit it. You know, there's just certain, you know, especially after seeing a race. I was disappointed. Um with bourbon war, but you know, they were talking about how in the Preakness they put the blinkers on and you know, they're going to take the blinkers off for this race. You know, I'm like, uh, you never know. You never know if that makes a difference or not. But part of me says, don't fall for it. You know, that on top of Mike Smith being the jockey on yeah, don't, don't fall, fall for, it. for it. But you know, uh, you know. Sometimes this comes up, and you're like, you know me. I, I like way too many jockeys. One, but right. there are certain jockeys that I'm like, I'm like, you know what? You know, you get a horse that a decent horse, and you put that, you know, you put a jockey that I really like on it. I'm like. Eh. And I've kind of steered clear of um, Pletcher horses um, this year. But that intrepid heart does intrigue me. John Velasquez Mm. as the uh, jockey, you know, and the the breeding behind it. So, you know, and then, you know, why I looked at Sir Winston as a potential bet in there, you know, Trainer and jockey are, are are decent, but this horse is also has the benefit of local training, though hasn't fared tremendously. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those horses that you go, you go, you know what? It may it may hit the board somewhere? So who knows? We'll see. We shall see, right? Anyway, we we shall see. 
Yeah, we shall see, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, I know we only have a few minutes left, but I, I did want to share a little bit more on that um, that year that uh, me and Pop won the Superfecta because I was telling you, you know, you have days Absolutely. where you hit everything. And that was a day for me. Not only did I hit everything in that day, but I had yeah. people at work who literally said, whatever you do, do it for me too. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I said, well, what are you looking to put in on this? And, you know, oh, well. And I remember I had two guys give me 20 bucks and say, take that 20 bucks and do what you're going to do. So I put in a <laughs> – I remember putting in a trifecta um, for them. And I, I remember – I remember just hitting everything, the trifecta, hitting – and I remember I had to go into work with a couple of these couple of guys and a few other people. And I had like, I had over a thousand dollars in my pocket that I had to hand out to people. From a, you know, I had to sit there and like split it up into envelopes and stuff. It was crazy. And I was just like, so happy and ecstatic um, that I was able to, come up and, and help these people out with some money. You know what I mean? I was just like, it's, it it was a perfect day. It was. And I'll never yeah. forget it. So that's why when it comes to the Belmont, you know, already the story about, you know, with dad there and that, and that day just makes it a special day. Um, And then, you know, I think about, you know, that moment back in 2015 and just, you know, just just so special. So, you know, Belmont always out of the Triple Crown. I went to the Kentucky Derby last year and obviously that's the biggest out of the three. Uh but in my heart this is this is my race. Um so win or lose, this is the one that I, I care about the most. So yeah, can't wait for you. it on Saturday. Yeah, you and I both I remember that day. It wasn't just um you know, the Belmont races, we we were sitting there, you know, looking at other races on your phone and, and placing little side bets here and there, and we were actually doing pretty damn good. So that was definitely a good day. Had by all. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Um, reminder, this Sunday, the Bad Boys of Radio are back. Dead Air Nation boys, Mr. Sinister, Billy, Andy, check them out. Sunday, and we're always here every Wednesday, 8, live at 8 p.m. here on the Dead Air Nation Network, brought to you by Gnarly Beer Co. Please do us all a favor and go check them out. You'll thank us for us. If you make a purchase, make sure you use the promo code SINISTER for a discount. That's gnarlybeerco.com. Check them out, folks. We'll see you next week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.